What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Excised Anatomized Podcast, the show where I pick a band, go through their body of work, and try to figure out what went right and what went wrong. I am your host, Mark Sabo, and when I'm not doing this podcast, I mostly write music for Orion's Sword, which is my Sludge Doom slow metal project. Joining me on this excursion is my good friend, Corey Peterson. Corey handles bass and vocals for the band Thetis, as well as running 37564 Recordings, which is his personal record label for his solo projects. On today's episode, we tackle the beginning of Fear Factory's third arc, and that starts off with Mechanize. Corey and I like this one quite a bit because it harkens back to the band's debut album, Soul of a New Machine. Playtime's over. Let's get into it. Yeah, so Fear Factory 2 2.0 is done already. Uh, Transgression doesn't do that well, and the band implodes again. <laughs> Herrera revealed that technically he and Wolvers had not left the band. Christian and I are still in Fear Factory. Bert and Dino decided to start a new band, and furthermore, they decided to call it Fear Factory. They never communicated with it about us. Oh, that's right. That's right. So apparently there's, like, Fear Factory, Inc. Oh, they're not, they're not right. just a band. They're a corporate entity. So citing back to transgression, Bell and Christian were beefing, and Bell said, fuck you, I'm out. So... While he tells those guys to kick rocks, him and Dino become friends again, and then Mechanize comes out. Um, there's not really a whole lot of, like, uh, trivia about anything that came off of this other than, and I was, I, I, was, I was able to find only one of these, they apparently re-recorded Crash Test and Martyr from Soul of a New Machine. Okay, I didn't know they re-recorded Murder. I just knew they re-recorded Crash Test because when they went on tour, they were playing Crash Test again. This was the uh, quote-unquote oh, death metal party with yes. self-vacation, hypocrisy, and decapitated. Yeah, and and this is this is by far their most death metal album since Soul. For some reason, Mike Heller was playing drums on that tour, but I what? They didn't bring Hoagland? Or was he, or was he, oh, no, no, no. He was playing drum. I think he was playing drums for suffocation on that tour. My, my memory of this is so off. Okay. Heller might, might have been for suffocation. I thought Hoagland was on this tour. I thought. Like, I, I feel like that was, that was basically the first time I heard of Mike Heller. And so in okay. my memory, it's attached to that tour. Okay. Yeah, because Hoagland's not shy about touring. Yeah, exactly. Unless, now, unless he would, unless he maybe was playing with somebody else at the time. My memory of that is so well, that, off. Yeah, and I'm trying to piece it together because he might have been in strapping, but Devin was so indifferent to doing strapping records. I think Gene could have told him, "I'm going on tour with the Fair Factory." And he's like, "Okay, cool." I'll just I think strapping we'll, we'll was already done by then. That's how much of a blur this is. Shit, you're you know what? You're right. You're right because I think new because the new black had already come out. Yeah, you're right. I got see kids. It's a blur. <laughs> now I don't know if they had already formed if they were about to form Zimmer's Hole at that point or if that had already come and gone. But Zimmer's Hole, I think, was something they did when Devin was when Devin was trying to get his shit together in between. Uh, SYL phases. Oh, so it was way before then. Okay, wow. I think so. Yeah, yeah. When 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 City came out, me and Mike and Gary. Shout out to Mike and Gary if you guys are listening. Uh, 
we those guys were in my very first band together. We won't talk about that because if anyone digs that shit up, the PC police will absolutely come for me, and they'd be a hundred percent justified. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but we were super in. We were super into Fear Factor. We were super into, into SYL, and which kind of led us to try and track down all SYL related stuff. And I want to say that Zimmer's Hole had at least one album back then wow so. i didn't hear about them till after uh strapping had finished I, I yeah that sounds about right because i think after strapping was done because that i mean that's basically yeah that's gene is gene in that i think so I, yeah so it's like everyone that was it was like the other three guys in strapping and i don't remember who was singing uh villaggio chris villaggio yes 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 yes. yeah who died what yes if i remember correctly i believe he died making officially byron stroud the unluckiest man in metal (laughs) (laughs) and and we'll 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 talk a little bit more about byron stroud and his terrible luck in a minute um r.i.p joey jordison oh yeah i was not super into uh i'm 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 not a Slipknot fan, but I mean, Jesus Christ, he's two years older than me. Like if. I was. Yeah, I was, and I heard Anal Blast first, so I remember him from that. <laughs> anal of Blast. I, 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 I uh, it, it's so weird. Like they were from you. You hear about this uh, from the basement to the Grammys thing? Joey and Paul. Joey, Paul, and Jim really went from the basement to the Grammys. <laughs> Literally, they did that first. How how dare you call out Code Orange? Actually, go ahead and call it Code Orange. I don't care. <laughs> so yeah, um, you know, I'm I'm just putting that I'm just putting I'm putting that respect on their name right now. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It, 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 it's awful that it's awful that happened. I don't. Um, I don't he was know just what else to say. I uh, I mean, I saw them twice. I saw them when he still had the spinning drum cage and shit. Like, oh wow, that shit was crazy. I you know? saw them with Tattoo the Earth. Oh wow! So, like, what pre Iowa? Probably. Yeah, yeah I saw and, them and that was the first one entering Iowa. So that was bananas because they they headlined over Slayer. I saw them headline over Biohazard the first time I saw them. Yeah, but like that and doesn't we, and and I I know that doesn't seem as big, but this is in Philly and <laughs> and yeah. Philly and I'm hanging around Philly hardcore kids and they're all like, "How are you headlining over Biohazard?" Yeah. Oh no, there there was I I was I was part of it, but there was definitely some salt about Slip not being over Slayer. But on one hand. Me and my friends were just like, ah, we get to leave early. Get to beat all the goddamn traffic. <laughs> oh, my God. That was because that was Sepultura, Slayer, and Slipknot, and a couple other bands. And I think we went for Sepultura and Slayer. Really? I think, don't quote me on the Sepultura, but I think they were on that. I know we went for Slayer because, like, like it's, uh, who doesn't, you go to Slayer. You, you have to go to a Slayer show. If it's in your town, you go to Slayer. There's no... I say this as I didn't go to the last Slayer show, but whatever. I'm old. That was the year I, I probably, that <laughs> could have 
gone to that. I definitely remember hearing about that tour, but I didn't actually go. Yeah, no, I absolutely. That was, how old are you? I'm 41. Okay. I'm a, I'm 45. So yeah, I was, I was pretty much on my own, had a decent job and uh, could afford to go to pretty much any damn show I wanted to. Cause I was still living at home. So I just, yeah. <laughs> 20 bucks to see one band open. Sure. I'll do it. If that was anywhere from 99 to 2002, I probably could have gone, but didn't. It was 98. It was 98 or 99. Yeah. Oh dear. Okay. Well, if yeah. it was 99, it probably could have happened. I wasn't. Yeah. It was but, like, I, I still hadn't gone to a lot of them until like the end of ni- the second half of 99. It was just like all happened. So, yeah. But yes, uh, RIP Joey Jordison. So back to the main point of this show Fear Factory Drops Mechanize. Easily one of their best. Um, and I, I, too. Ah, I think I still give the edge to uh, Demanufacture, but easily top five, like no question. Yeah, um, I, I have Demanufacture third, maybe. Oh, anyways, I'm definitely more of the 60-40 death metal Fear Factory guy. So, I'm, I'm, Mechanized came out, I lit my lid. First of all, I didn't expect very much of it. Because yeah. that's how bar, low the bar was. And I forget what the first... Actually, I think Mechanized was the first... No, 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 no. Power Shift was the first song that came out. So, Power Shifter was like the single, basically. Yeah. And it was pretty heavy for being a single. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like, hmm, that is interesting. It, it, yeah, I, I threw this on this morning. It's got your traditional... Uh, Fear Factory chorus, but it's also got your traditional, like, you know, Burton Seabell is an inhuman monster and is screaming at things and making them explode, like yeah. 84 Dune. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and what kind of blew me away about this is I, I threw it on this morning and listened to it in its entirety. Total length of the album is 44 minutes. This is a fast 44 minutes. Yeah. There's there's really no fat on this thing. Um I think yeah, it, it, it just crushes it. When it, now when this came out this was 2008. My daughter was I'm sorry, 2009. So my daughter is about 2 years old and anyone that's parented a 2-year-old knows that <laughs> We keep talking about blurs. That was the blurriest blur that ever blurred a blur. Um, I wasn't buying a lot of music. I think I had just discovered Mog, which was the predecessor to Beats. It was basically it was basically a streaming service. Oh. Uh, it was a fir- it was a first streaming service I ever checked out, and I I just kind of I I was. I would do a thing back in the day when I first started checking out streaming services was basically stump the DJ. It's like, do they have this? Do they have this? And through one of my searches, I stumbled on a fair fact. I'm like, oh, a couple albums. Let, here's some stuff I haven't heard. Let's check it out. Um, this was one of them. And I'm like, oh, okay. I, I didn't I didn't dig into it because I wasn't really listening to a whole lot of music back then. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just like, okay, nice. There's, there's, they're still doing it, and it, it's, it's still pretty solid. Because, like I said, at the oh time, God, they're back. Yeah, a little bit. Not, not, as, not as excited as I was for Napalm's return, but it's just like, okay, good for you guys. You've, you've done well for yourselves. You're, you're still hitting it out of the park. And, or you're hitting it out of the park again. Yeah, you're. Yeah, I, I think. Able to. I, th- I think the only uh, knock against this is uh, I don't remember if we've discussed it previously. Burton's got some real clunkers when it comes to lyrics, man. And the worst uh... of it, <laughs> the, the worst of it shows I... up here. Okay, so final exit is a. Title borrowed from Derek Humphrey's 91 book of the same name, which deals with the topic of, yeah, self-chosen euthanasia. So I got it. Um, it's a good song, but that lead-off track, the, the lead-off line of that track is, your life no longer has any value. And it's like, cue, cue the Arrested Development meme, there's got to be a better way to say that. It would be considered ableist. <laughs> yeah it's it's it, it's i i get what you're going for but I, I i don't i don't know how that made it onto tape and everyone's just like yeah cool we're all with it there, there just had to be a better way to say that it's it's unfortunate and like i i mentioned it during during the digimon episode but dark bodies floating in darkness it it's like when he tries to get deep is when he gets clunky i i I, I listened to a lot of the other stuff and like he's at his best when he's kind of just screaming about how he's going to either change his life or stick it to the man mm. or, or whatever. It's just like that kind of surface. If he, if, if he doesn't have to get too deep on it and it's just kind of anti-authoritarian or like, if you know, you, you can't, can't tell, you can't, you can't tell me what enough. to do. <laughs> you can't simplify it enough. It's like, yeah. what are we going to do with it? There, 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 there's one that cracks me up on the next one, and I didn't even think of it before, but now I'm... <laughs> yeah, um, but again, fantastic. I really didn't give this a listen until I decided to do this podcast, but yeah, easily top five Fear Factor albums. It's, it's really good. I feel like if they would have done this right after Soul... It would have also been a natural progression as much as the manufacturer was. Yes. Yeah. Although um, he, he probably still sound more like Bernie if they'd done it right after, but dude, his his vocals on soul are so like when he's doing his death metal stuff. And I will say that he kind of almost comes close to that on track two, Industrial Discipline. Yeah. I almost wonder if he had to changed the way he was singing because because he was also doing cleans because as someone who had to change the way he was singing because he was doing it wrong and he wasn't able to speak afterwards i kind of noticed when maybe someone else may have had to also may have um changed the way they're doing their vocals because well okay it feels better this way and i can do more around it rather than just kind of shredding my vocal cords doing it the old way so that's super interesting because did you ever check out that DVD they put out around Digimon? No. 
There, there was a DVD? Are, yes. I don't remember what it was called, but there was absolutely a DVD. And I bought it at, like a used, at a used record store. I think it was like five bucks. By, by this time, I'm like completely over them. But I'm like, eh. You know, like I said, first real, real heavy band I ever got into. And you, you just kind of hold out hope that like maybe just just maybe you got it wrong and I didn't actually do a complete U-turn into trash, but they did. And so I, I grabbed it, brought it home and I watched it and I just, I, I got rid of it, I I think. But I remember so, like Burton's Cleans on that DVD. On the DVD sounded like garbage. This this has been a thing that's been going around because uh, you, you you hear stuff about him not sounding that good live. You see videos of it. Um, that was the stranger thing is like because I didn't have the DVD anymore, I poked around on YouTube for a little bit trying to find like you know Fear Factory Live trying to find. I couldn't find anything that sounded as bad as a DVD. <laughs> yeah, see, there you go. <laughs> Yeah. So, but yeah, some of it can be exaggerated. I, I feel like, but I, I I've seen some shows where it did not sound all that good. It probably has to do with doing cleans and yeah, cleans and harsh. Because last time I saw him do anything was with Ascension, and he sounded fine that night. But he doesn't do harsh vocals in Ascension. So, yeah, and I, you know, this was bad. He was, you know as much as we're kind of giving him some shit, like he was the first guy to do this. And now that there's, you know, there's fucking DVD and instructional DVDs on how to properly do like death metal vocals. He didn't have that. He just was, was doing what he thought, you know, he was a pioneer. He was, he was, he was cutting his own path. And yeah, I, I would say that tracks. Maybe someone got a hold of him. just like, yo, on your cleans. You sound like you're doing this. You should perhaps try this. It makes me wonder what Justin Broderick's been doing the whole time. Broderick doesn't alternate like Burton does, though. Oh, you know what? That's true. That That's true. Because even in Old Godflesh, some songs were all scream and some songs were all sing, but he wasn't necessarily doing all, both in the same song a lot. Yeah, and uh, like I, I, I adore the shit out of Godflesh, but like his vocals are kind of like just, you know, his vocals are fantastic, especially his harsh stuff. But his lyrics are like it, it's usually just like a couple words. Yeah, you, you and you don't necessarily know what he's saying until you look it up. Sometimes. Yeah, and even then, like I said, it's 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 super 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 vague. You know, it, it again as much as we were just kind of trashing on. Uh, on, on Bert's uh, lyrics, he's got a lot more going on than, than Godflesh lyrics. So, yeah. But, yeah. So, that is Mechanize. It's fantastic. Speaking of uh, Godflesh and JSU, or I heard Final Exit, even with that one uh, little flaw there. Uh, I heard Final Exit, it sounded like they. That listened to Tired of Me and then we should speed this up. <laughs> yes. Yeah, shit. You know what? You're absolutely right. You throw some double you throw some double bass blasts underneath Tired of Me. And you get final exit. You get final exit. 
with, with I that. think that's what blew me away about it at the time. I still like the song, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> the other that's... thing about this album is, instead of experimenting with softened material, they basically experimented with heavier material instead. Designing yeah. the Enemy sounds like Josh Danza wrote it. Yes. So we've kind of kicked this this theme around a lot of like the parallel evolution of Meshuga and Fear Factory and how they both kind of really emphasized on that whole the guitar locking in with with the double bass kicks. Mm-hmm. Um this album especially not a whole lot but on mechanized in spots, you can absolutely hear them kind of flirting with that that off time Meshuggah stuff. Yeah, and it, it's it's not terrible. I don't know if they need it, but like I I like it. There there are worse there are worse ways to go, as they'll demonstrate shortly. <laughs> yeah, I mean here you just have them kind of going towards the the harsh the harsher side of Gent sometimes. Yeah. And I like when they do that. Yeah, it's they they've got they've got kind of true to the first album because that first album was a mishmash. It, it, it's a mishmash of harsher styles, and I don't expect anyone off the street to like that, that's not well versed in metal to pick up an album like, oh, this is very diverse. No, it's going to be a wall of noise to you. But like, if you're if you're neck deep in this stuff, there's absolutely like three or four different styles going on there. And kind of like taking the thousand foot view of their back catalog, the same can be said, like, you know, they've got their more poppy edge and they've got their more death metal edge. And I feel like they're constantly wrestling with that. I don't think they know. I don't think they ever figured out which way they wanted to go with either one. So you kind of get this thing throughout their back catalog where, it's consistent in that it's something that they do, but it's not consistent in that, like, you're never 100% sure if you're going to get Death Metal Fear Factory or you're going to get, you know, their their third stab at demanufacture. Right. And I, I think I think overall, like, long-term, it, it kind of hurt the band in their trajectory. You know, their, their, their fucking drama didn't do them any favors, but, like... They're they're kind of all over the place, like when when you, when you step back and take a look at it, it, it's not like, you know, it's not like you know, wild divergence, but a, enough of it's there that like like I said, you're you're almost not a hundred percent sure. You could almost not that I had known a lot of Fear Factory friends, but I could also see I could almost see the fan base being two camps: the guys that like the soft. But actually, no, I take that back. I've got a buddy, and I think I mentioned it in the obsolete episode. I've got a buddy that swears by the obsolete stuff, and I sent him something. I sent him a few tracks off of Soul, and he's just like, "Nope, don't need this in my life." Yeah, Shout you can definitely see that. Soul is like the furthest. Uh, Soul is still like the hardest to go, honestly. Yeah, for sure. I threw that on again today just because we'll talk about it after we we make it through 3.0. But I, w- I was kind of poking at at some theories on on their sound. And it's like Soul of a New Machine. It's got a straight up grindcore part. There's no a... straight up grindcore parts on Mechanize. They don't go that far. No. In fact, uh, you don't really hear them use blast beats again after that album. Not really. Maybe a little. Um, maybe that opening of Industrial. Yeah, maybe. 
but it, it you know like you like you said there are there are straight up like grindcore songs on there like you know a minute yeah. and a half and it's out there's not there's nothing like raped souls or no. um manipulation manipulation or even on anything else they've done yeah it's no. not even on concrete honestly mm, no no, I I would I like, would there aren't even old versions of those songs. It's just those were just those were for soul. Yeah. Now that we're sitting here talking, like I'm curious like where those kind of came from and why they why they stopped. Me too. Well, I know why they stopped because they were kind of like it, it, I I think from their perspective, like the more they pulled back from that stuff, the bigger they got because you know, soul put them on the map. The manufacturer really stepped it up, and an obsolete really, like you know, put them over the edge. Yeah, and they they imploded. And that wraps up today's episode of the podcast. Thanks so much for listening. I also want to thank Corey for coming on the show and helping sort this band out. You can check out Corey and Thetis at thetis.bandcamp.com. Their new album "Shrines to Absurdity" is up there, and you can check them out on all the streaming services as well. His solo material is at 37564recordings.bandcamp.com. He's also on Twitter at Swan Ronson and on Instagram at WorldIsBumbaClark. I'll have notes for those in the show notes as well. If you want to check out Orion Sword, I am on Bandcamp at OrionSwordBand.bandcamp.com. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram at OrionSwordBand. You can also reach the podcast at Excised Anatomized Pod on Facebook, and you can email me directly at excisedanatomized at gmail.com. Thanks again, everybody, and we'll see you next time.